Man of Steel Answers Insight Commentary Episode 39 Batman v Superman Final Trailer I have so many questions Then of course there's the question on everyone's mind Then I'll ask the obvious question Start asking questions You're the answer son Welcome to Mosaic. I'm your DC Films apologist, Doc, and I cover a mosaic of topics for fans who love the Man of Steel and who are excited by the Justice League universe. Forget the intro and the disclaimers. Let's get into this right away. Master Wayne. Thermal imaging is showing me two dozen hostiles on the third floor. Why don't I drop you off on the second? Even you got too old to die young, not for lack of trying. He has the power to wipe out the entire human race. If we believe there's even a 1% chance that he is our enemy, we have to take it as an absolute certainty. The greatest gladiator match in the history of the world. God versus man. Day versus night. You're psychotic. That is a three-syllable word for any thought too big for little minds. I've known a few women like you. Oh, I don't think you've ever known a woman like me. can be innocent. I've got about 40 minutes to record tops, so let's hit the ground running. Reception, overall impressions, tone, and tactics. Man, are you excited as I am? My Turkish airline show is half finished, but obviously I have to preempt that for this. This is one of the few times where I happen to look online almost exactly as it dropped. I think the view count was somewhere in the 50s when I clicked and I was just swept away. With all the quick cuts, I had to restrain myself to keep from hitting the pause button and really analyze everything and instead just let it play through that first time. I was completely exhilarated and thrilled by it and I might have welled up just a little bit at how this was meeting my already high expectations. As an advertising campaign, everything has been ratcheting up the tension, the atmosphere, the world. But this was the explosion of energy, excitement, and action that we needed to carry us into opening weekend. 
in my own personal anticipation, I don't think I could have been more ready for this. Last episode, you know that I rewatched Snyder's filmography, which prepared me to expect this kind of film. And I'm so, so happy that they didn't try to condense all this awesome into a 30-second Super Bowl spot. And despite all the quick cuts and the intensity, we still were allowed to breathe in a Batman fight sequence and with the humor from Alfred and Diana. I don't know that I have the time to go through this shot by shot, but let's just try to cover the new stuff at a minimum. Let's get to it. That first 45 seconds are pure, unadulterated comic book Batman brought to life. Basically, I've been hedging my bets, right? I've been trying to keep my mind open to new interpretations. And on this show, we've asked whether Batman could be a state agent or if he might kill or if they might mute him a little to sort of match reality. But these first 45 seconds are an assurance or a promise that you'll be getting the Batman that you always wanted. We open to the bat jet or the bat plane circling a waterside warehouse. Perhaps this is me still breaking down that Turkish airline spot, but for a split second, on the left you can see a lit structure taller than everything else, LexCorp Tower perhaps. It's too blurry to make out from YouTube. Then we see Alfred extract a flight simulator joystick from beneath a table. It's apparently a $400 Thrustmaster joystick, which is a top-of-the-line A-10 Warthog replica. The Batjet begins its approach, which we know turns into a strafing run against some exterior hostiles. Cut to Alfred in front of a ton of monitors and screens doing his best impersonation of Oracle. He addresses Batman as Master Wayne, that classic affectation using the English honorific or form of address for boys or young men. If you wondered where Mr., Miss, or Mrs., those were Victorian-era honorifics, and Master was the means of addressing boys under the age of 18. Bruce is in his 40s with graying hair and Alfred is continuing this practice almost affectionately or perhaps a tad sarcastically or as a matter of a lifelong habit. Alfred dryly points out that there are two dozen hostiles with nary a hint of concern and let's just pause to reflect on this for two reasons. First, this is Batman on a level where his surrogate father is completely calm about sending him in against 24 armed and violent criminals. And second, this is an Alfred who is completely complicit in this endeavor. He's practically a partner and not a detached or reluctant father figure, merely tolerating whatever Bruce has to do to excise his demons. At this point, he's completely on board with and supporting Batman's two-decade career. If Alfred is that engaged, it changes up Bruce later saying we have to destroy him. That seems to suggest it's not that royal we or a stand-in for humanity as a whole. It's a plea to his partner, who after 20 years of cooperation, emphatically disagrees. You're gonna go to war? He is not our enemy. Okay, a third minor point, if Alfred can remotely pilot the Batjet, we'll have to see who it is that's ultimately pulling that trigger against those exterior hostiles. Maybe they don't die, but if it's Alfred, I think some of the fans will be a little more accepting. Of course, there have been many varying interpretations of Batman, but by and large, I think the broadest interpretation doesn't take issue with others using the tools that are available. Batman doesn't try to slap the sidearms 
out of the hands of Gordon, Montoya, or Bullock, and more than one rendering of Alfred protects Wayne Manor with a shotgun. At this point, we don't know either way. I'm personally not worried either way, just thought I'd bring it up. Well, back to the trailer and its assurances. Alfred levels the jet with the second floor, and we get that magnificent comic book splash page entrance. The continuity of the entire sequence is pretty clear because of the strafing run and explosions that we got in the first teaser, the hostiles within expect incoming, and they train their guns on presumably the only entrance. Of course, Batman acts laterally. He breaches through the floor, erupts from the hole with his grapple gun, distributes some device which is blinking red, and then we're given 15 seconds of glorious non-stop action. I could spend all day breaking down that fight choreography, its implications, and more, but I don't think that that's the spirit, and I don't have that kind of time right now, so let's just point out some of those highlights. Stylistically, it's wonderfully brutal and rough enough to not feel completely dance-like, but there's no question about his agility and his speed. There's a split second when a knife sets sparks off his armor, showing how protected he is, and his agility and his strength are impossible. But they're on the spectrum of hyper-reality, not the total realm of fantasy. And again, re-watching Zack Snyder's filmography prepared me for this, and I feel like it's dialed in just right. A Batman like this forecloses no DC Universe possibilities for the cinematic universe. And in this fight, you see several tricks that Zack Snyder has used in the past to convey a slightly supernatural sense of power and impact. Here, goons are thrown through walls and shelves and even the floor. The latter, where the stuntman is pulled to the ground by wires to give a faster and harder hit than gravity would ever provide. Well, we cut to the Batcave and Bruce bemoaning his performance. I'm getting slow in my old age, Alfred. And again, the humor through dramatic irony. Unless you are aggressively inclined to dislike what you just saw, I think most of us would agree that it was pulse-pounding and furiously fast and anything but slow. Yet even that tiny glimpse of what we saw fell below Batman's expectations for himself. How terrifying is this Batman? How worthy is he to take on the Superman? Alfred retorts back, even you've gotten too old to die young, not for a lack of trying. And Batman gives him the stink eye, like, really? You just helped me take down over two dozen criminals and you're still giving me grief about the dangers of this? They're like an old married couple who completely accept one another, but will continue to gripe about each other forever. (laughs) And I love it. It's that necessary undercurrent of humor and exactly what Alfred brings to the film. Bruce reprises his motivations, and there seems to be a slight increase perhaps in the density or size of the satellite debris during the BZE. Maybe a little, it might just be a perspective thing, but there are potential reasons to do so. We might get into that in the Turkish Airlines show. And then we get a little more context on the Batman crash. And here the edit makes it appear that it was an unintentional hit from Batman's perspective. We move on into our first set of fast cuts and some new footage of Batman and Superman fighting. Superman appears to send Batman through one side of a building with enough force that Batman comes flying out the roof. I wouldn't be surprised if Batman is on the ground afterwards. And that's when we get our line with Superman telling Batman to stay down. 
We're not going to talk about G-forces and inertia here. We're going to save that kind of analysis for after the movie comes out. We get a shot of Clark straightening his tie with, with that ever pensive look on his face. We see Bruce unfurling that gorgeous Aston Martin. We get an intimate moment where Lois is in the tub and Clark jumps in fully clothed. She has an orange tulip and is grinning ear to ear as Clark descends to kiss her. I'm going to resist the urge to overanalyze right now, but suffice to say, there's joy and love in their lives, and Clark is spontaneous and sensual. As I've been saying all along, these aspects of his character are going to be rounded out in this film. We get a shot of the perfect Batrang disarm, and you can see a goon hanging upside down, meaning that there is still more to this fight sequence that we didn't see in this scant 15 seconds. Then we get Superman catching a grenade by Batman, and that's a nice little feat that borders on super speed without entering the realm of story-breaking super speed. There's almost a casualness to it. Now, based on the presumed flow of the fight and some merchandise, many suspect that there might be a kryptonite payload and that this is the moment of delivery. Maybe we'll see. Let's pause to count one of the reassurances of this trailer. The idea that Batman has gadgets. And oh boy, does he have gadgets. In the few seconds of this trailer alone, we've seen a Batjet with hovering capability, mounted weaponry, thermal imaging, and remote piloting. We've seen bat breaching bombs and grappling hook usage. The Batmobile's afterburners and armor are exhibited, and we just saw the Batrang and a grenade launcher. Basically, we're ticking off all the boxes for an authentic rendering of Batman. Now back to the trailer, we get an exterior shot of an unfamiliar columned building. Maybe one of those people who say we've seen the entire movie can tell me what happens in that building. The quick cuts keep coming, and I have to say that the editing to percussion works for me this time. One of the new shots is of Superman catching a kick and then throwing Batman well and truly through a wall. Despite everything we've seen, the main events have been kept under wraps in every meaningful way, and it's going to be so exciting to have all of that revealed when we finally see the film. Well, we get our first look at Bruce approaching Diana in motion since we've seen the still in Entertainment Weekly, what seems like a lifetime ago. And I think it's around here that I actually exhale and I realize that I've been breathlessly watching until that moment. Bruce says, I've known a few women like you. And Diana turns, looks him in the eyes and smiles. No, I don't think you've ever known a woman like me. And Bruce seems slightly bemused. It's just the delivery of one line, but my faith rewarded and my hopes realized. And I think there's a little something in my eye. The acting and the humor are on point. This movie has banter and more natural improvisation, as recently revealed by Eisenberg in an interview with Playboy. These small moments, as presented, humanize Bruce and make him subtly fallible. He's making assumptions about Diana, but clearly wrong, just like he's making assumptions about Superman and is wrong about those. And he also isn't completely this hard-hearted stoic. He has wants and desires, even if here it's essentially lust. Yeah, this was an incredible action trailer, but the humanity is not going to be lost for either legendary hero. We get a shot of Wonder Woman launching herself into the fray with a battle cry, and I think my face is leaking just a little bit. We're not going to do the calculations right now, but if her hang time is strength-based, she is strong and incredibly durable as she deserves to be. The quick cuts start up again, and new shots include a distressed woman under water with perhaps a glimmer of orange flames behind. We see Batman from above with the goons below and then their rifles all explode in a shower of sparks from their 
receivers, disabling them. Yet another nifty bat gadget and the ability to take firearms out of the equation definitely increases the viability of Batman as a concept. A dramatic shot of Batman striking from above, more bat jet footage, and a quick glimpse of Martha who appears to be startled and waitressing. Given the damage to Sears and Man of Steel, it's perhaps natural that she would have a new and different job. The continuity implies that she drops a pot of coffee. Poor Martha, they startled her and Man of Steel with an exploding light bulb where she dropped a ball of fruit. What could startle her to this degree and in a public setting? Is it a news report about Superman or something else? We get Lois cupping Superman's face, again looking worried, and note that Superman's hair is out of place, suggesting that this occurs after his fight with Batman. Maybe. Batman and Superman coming face to face and Superman launching him away with a shove. I guess we know where that handprint comes from. And this suit was just brand new. We see Apocalypse on Earth in motion, Superman zooming towards some wreckage, and finally we close with Superman throwing a wide right, which gets stopped by Batman's left forearm. Their arms stay braced like crossed swords, as Superman looks confused and astonished by what's happening. And without words or dialogue, the film and the trailer are saying, the real fight begins now. You ain't seen nothing yet. And we're done. What an awesome and exciting trailer. We could break this down even more, but I'm content to go with the energy of it. We're being thrilled by the action with a lot of hints towards things we don't know. So let's just go with that excitement and anticipation and carry that into the theater. Okay, that's it. Just some quick reactions. Seems a little short. I know we might have moved on by this point, but I think I'm going to throw in the Turkish airline breakdowns. I'm going to heavily abridge them just down to the reactions. The original episode went a lot into the science of skyscrapers and city planning and documentary junkie that I am. I had a ton of educational clips lined up so you could learn about cladding and concrete, air conditioning and quake resistance, handling wind speed and vortexes half a mile in the sky, but I'm going to put all of that into a time capsule and save that for after the film's release, and we'll just focus on the content of the spots for now. But because this is all being thrown together in haste, and that episode is going to be edited in a way that it was never meant to be presented, please excuse any strange transitions or topical jumps. I just don't have time to re-record it to make it any smoother. So without further ado, I send you a few days back to the past. You're the answer, son. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Let's get right into those amazing Turkish airline spots. Starting with an overview. They were an incredibly welcome surprise, especially knowing that Warner Brothers was not going to purchase a Super Bowl spot consistent with what they've been doing for the past decade. So this completely unexpected promotion was wonderful. A glimpse of Diana Prince stowing her carry-on was a nice treat. It gave us another look at the character in leather civilian garb tended to confirm that she doesn't fly on her own and indicated that she has the means to travel in luxurious business class style. However, these city-based TV spots were on an entirely different level. The TV spots were just a part of an integrated campaign by the ad agency CPNB London, and there are websites at tkairlines.com Gotham and Metropolis where you can book a flight to the fictional destinations in order to enter a draw 
drawing for a trip to the premiere. The websites will host timeout guides for each destination, and you can already see some preliminary maps and materials there. Eventually, hard copies of those guides are going to be available for purchase and distributed to moviegoers and passengers at select venues. Finally, the airline will have Batman v Superman themed airplanes where you can receive movie themed amenities and film themed menu items. It sounds like a lot of fun and you can read more details on their official press release, which I'll link in the show notes. I think the spots were brilliant strategically for a lot of reasons. First for Turkish airlines with millions of views, I'm sure that they've captured more mindshare than ever. Second for Warner Brothers, it spares them the expense of a spot, but also saves them from cutting a hyperactive 30 second spot for such a deliberate, multifaceted and complex film. Third, it's totally perfect for the Super Bowl. You got people who are loud and eating and having fun, and it's generally not the place to receive a heavy or serious spot if it isn't laced with complete spectacle. Instead, these spots were light and humorous, using the same kind of dramatic irony as in earlier materials, where the amusement comes from our special knowledge from outside the world of the film, and among all the trailers shown that night, they really stood out with a unique approach. Fourth, it plays into the world building in a big way beyond just Easter eggs. Fifth, it's incredibly smart, self-aware, and takes those last two factors together as rewards for fans who get the joke or get the references. Sixth, it gives us a taste of two key performances without giving away anything further in the film. And I could just go on and on, but they were incredibly effective considering the fact that the spots didn't air until right after the Super Bowl and that Batman v Superman basically had no other presence during the big game. All right, so let's break down those spots, starting with Gotham's. As the airline that flies to more countries than any other, Turkish Airlines is pleased to announce a new destination, Gotham City. A city that's risen above its past to become a thriving urban center. Thanks to a significant grant from my company, Wayne Enterprises, Gotham is being restored to its former glory. From the legendary Gotham Opera House to the nightlife of the new Bowery, take a trip to a city that never stops. Discover why Gotham City is great again. And who knows, you may even catch a glimpse of a local celebrity. There's never been a better time to visit our great city. So book your flight now on Turkish Airlines. We get an aerial flyover over the impossibly dense and vertical city snaked with waterways and bathed in romantic magic hour lighting. The voiceover is gentle, warm, and inviting, and the score is softly stirring and optimistic. We smash cut to a gargoyle, a gothic architectural affectation hinting at the age and the predisposition of this city towards the grotesque, the flamboyant, dark, and supernatural. Often they bear bat-like features to fall fear and wicked spirits and protect those within. <laughs> 
we're not even seven seconds and two shots in, and the city is already telling us a story. That story is of redemption and rebuilding. Our next shots are of building in progress and being planned, as the voiceover says, our city has risen above its past. Ace Chemicals gets featured prominently, and fans will recognize that as the birthplace of Joker's white pallor in Alan Moore's The Killing Joke, and Harley Quinn's subsequent transformation. Then cut to Bruce Wayne, CEO of Wayne Enterprises, talking directly to the audience of the diegetic ad. Diegetic meaning in the world of the story, that audience being prospective Gotham tourists. Yet, with details clearly intended for us, the audience who recognizes this as an ad for a film. For example, the ad precisely captures that trope of tourism ads catching a celebrity endorsement in media res. That is, the person is always in the middle of doing something, and the ad pretends as if you've caught them unawares and they just happen to want to give their spontaneous and truthful recommendation in that moment. However, that something being interrupted is almost always an activity that the tourist will want to participate in as a vacation destination. Skiing, biking, hiking, eating out, or whatnot. And here, Bruce is hurried and harried, just barely caught by the camera between exiting his building and entering his Maserati. He's passing off a stack of documents recently reviewed, but so critical that his assistant has to hand them off immediately to another person who's walking briskly behind Bruce and so busy that his hands are full. He has to cram his phone into the crook of his neck to accept the paperwork and he never stops moving as if he's a shark. <laughs> There's something so perfectly absurd about the faux urgency and an attempt at authenticity of it all. And it perfectly captures that corporate stock photo sort of feel exuded by these kinds of tourism advertisements. If you take it at face value, it means that Bruce is a busy and important person actively engaged in his corporation. But if we try to play the inception interpretation game, you'll get dizzy trying to figure out if the diegetic director of the ad wanted Bruce to come off as a busy, important person, and so staged this document handoff for his ad just so. Let's not go down that rabbit hole right now. But speaking of stock photography, we get a sequence of shots that have exactly that intentional expected feel. The golden lit Buddha castle stands in for the Gotham Opera House, which is playing La Boheme. The Bowery, traditionally one of Gotham's worst neighborhoods, has been gentrified, mirroring the history of Manhattan's neighborhood of the same name, going from Skid Row to high-rise condos. We get a shot from inside a darkened Wayne boardroom, overlooking the city lit up at night, Ace Chemicals within view. Then an exterior shot outside a precinct with a handful of excited tourists in the background and cops in the foreground looking up to the sky to see the bat signal projected on Gotham's perpetually overcast skies. The voiceover describes Batman as a local celebrity and again the inception of intentions here is too tangled for my head to unravel right now so I think it's easiest to accept this all as a tongue-in-cheek campaign to directed at us rather than try to reconcile a reality where the board of tourism thinks that they should promote a violent, formidable, forceful vigilante as an attraction, all to be delivered by a dry, deadpan CEO whose forced smile borders on being a grimace. <laughs> 
I'm not saying we can't do the apologetics to get there, but I'm not going to expend the effort. As Wayne gives his final endorsement from his business class seat, he's delivered a water and a cube of Turkish delight and Turkish coffee, which is coffee made with fine, unfiltered grounds served in the airline's signature porcelain. An extra commits the sin of looking at the camera, and we end on Gotham at night. Maybe we'll come back to Wayne flying a commercial airline with Luther in the Metropolis spot. But a brief note on the transition into the direct promotion of Batman v Superman, the score is immediately ominous, the tone and the imagery dark, and the tension palpable as Batman and Superman approach one another. This is new footage we haven't seen before, perhaps shot for this promotion, but in the footage that we have seen, it's presented in IMAX aspect ratio, letting us see what was letterboxed before. If nothing else, it serves as encouragement to see this film in IMAX, along with every other available format. Moving on to Metropolis. As the airline that flies to more countries than any other, Turkish Airlines is pleased to announce a new destination. Metropolis, a city reborn, rebuilt, and stronger than ever. Proud of its heritage and its heroes. Well, thanks to LexCorp's substantial contribution, Metropolis is now open for business again. Come visit the city of tomorrow, today. We can't wait to welcome you. Book your flight now on Turkish Airlines. The Metropolis spot follows very much the same formula. The entire spot is bookended by Turkish airline planes doing flyovers over the city. We see various landmarks, we get hints of our respective heroes, and then we get a celebrity endorsement by a CEO sitting in business class. From our first flyover, immediately LexCorp Tower springs out to you as being exceptionally tall and distinct. And in the next bridge shot, you can make out the Daily Planet on the left, and of course the prominent LexCorp Tower on the right. These two institutions keep popping up, LexCorp Tower in particular, and if you pause for a moment, maybe you'll realize how far back it actually goes. For example, in the Turkish airline Wonder Woman spot, most people focused on Diana taking a seat in business class, but there was a brief exterior airport shot where you could make out LexCorp Tower lit up at night in the distance. Then, looking back to December's Wired interview with Lex Luthor, you may remember the infographic on defense R&D spending, and you'll note that LexCorp Tower's design remains consistent. So all these promotional partners are playing with the same playbook, the same development bible, the same assets, all to world build something together that's relatively consistent and compelling. Christos Gage just did an interview with Maurice Mitchell of About.com, which touched on his access to source material in developing the Dr. Pepper promotional comics. He shared that he was able to read a redacted script, and he had to submit multiple pitches on each character for approval. So we can guess that the other promotional projects may have similar arrangements and access. I mention this because the websites for these promotions provide great little street maps with points of interest, which clearly have been researched and put together with affection. However, there are a few incongruities with Man of Steel and even in these spots. Just as a tiny example, in the Brit shot, 
the bridge must attach to the west coast, but that puts the Daily Planet closer to the west coast than the east in contravention to the map. Alternatively, if we have a bridge to nowhere and it is attached to the east coast, well then the Daily Planet is south of the LexCorp Tower in contravention with the map. And for Gotham, it puts Ace Chemicals within line of sight to Wayne's building within the bustling center of Gotham, but on the map, it's by the more sparsely occupied waterfront. I am not putting down the maps at all. They worked within the constraints and the access that they had. All I'm saying is that I wouldn't rely upon them as canonical truths about the world. They are flavor, insight, and hearsay. And someday on this show, we'll probably talk about evidentiary standards, but not today, that are definitely worth enjoying. But just don't bet the farm on them. Okay, back to the spot. We get our brightest look at the Superman statue in Hero Park, formerly Centennial Park, with the trees more lush than we've ever seen, and Superman shield banners in the background. The fact that we see these trees at different levels of foliage is a tiny touch which shows that they're not just recycling the same shot again and again, but putting care into each use. We get a Superman flyover with a bit of a breeze above the Metropolis Museum of Modern Art to the awe of those below, and not annoyance, because remember, this is supposed to be a diegetic ad for prospective tourists, which again can lead us down that rabbit hole of how they managed to compose this shot in-universe. And hilariously, it might be as simple as just a CGI Superman, right? <laughs> we cut to Lex delivering a statement to the press from the helipad of his nearly completed LexCorp Tower. Like the Bruce Wayne appearance, it's trying to juggle its two audiences, but it does it well. It's a brief performance, but Lex is commanding and serious, proving that he doesn't always have that affected personality from Bruce and Clark's first meeting. I am absolutely in love with LexCorp Tower as an idea and in its execution. It is highly credible when compared to the world's tallest tower, the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, and it feels like the filmmakers brought in architects to consult and design a part of their fictional world. You know by now that I love technology and science, and super tall skyscrapers always contain tons of cutting-edge examples of applied engineering and architecture. I can and probably will do an entire show just on the LCT. Okay, that's enough of that. Sorry, I told you that I love the science of skyscrapers. I'll put links in the show notes to those documentaries. Again, like with the science of Superman, I'm not debunking the LCT or challenging the world building. I'm just giving you insight into how it works in the real world so we know how things will move within the world of Batman v Superman. Whatever the underlying apologetics, Metropolis has an extraordinary recovery rate. <laughs> that was a huge derail. I've got to edit that down and move on. On, well, we wrap with Luther seated in business class, toying with a blue stress ball as he says, we can't wait to welcome you with an inviting smile. And Lex in story is a performer who is wholly embracing this endorsement in a way that Bruce could barely muster. And I think I just thought of something hilarious. In the second trailer, Bruce and Lex clearly know each other, and Bruce seems to have little patience for Lex, almost a slight simmering scorn towards him. Now, imagine if one of the reasons that Lex rubs Bruce the wrong way is because they've spent time together in relation to this ad campaign in-world. I mean, 
These guys are billionaires. As good as Turkish Airlines probably is, they have their own private jets to take them wherever they need to go. So clearly, their participation in this campaign is purely for the sake of their cities, which could mean joint press or promotion together. <laughs> probably not, but just imagine Bruce stuck on a transcontinental flight, or perhaps in makeup, with Lex, who refuses to turn it off. <laughs> That's part of the joy of these kinds of immersive world-building spots. They encourage your mind to wander and explore into the unseen spaces which could exist and be consistent with the richness that's being developed. And if you listen to the show, you know I love that. On that note, I forgot to mention that Lex is drinking Turkish tea, served in a traditional tulip or hourglass-shaped glass, along with two pieces of Turkish delight. I like to point that stuff out because food and drink are universal and human. It's one of the smallest yet reliable ways to remind the audience that this character has needs, senses, and wants, just like you experience every day. Whether it's Luke's blue milk or Ray's self-rising polystarch, Lois's scotch or tea, Clark's beer, Bruce's coffee, or Lex's tea, it's something I look for in a complete character in my favorite fictional worlds. Okay, I think I've rambled on long enough. Thanks so much for listening. I just love discussing this stuff. And if you've been sticking with me, hopefully you do too. I'm genuinely grateful for each and every listener and hope you'll join us at manofsteelanswers.com. That way, if you have a question that you want answered or an insight you want to share or commentary to make, you can post in the comments for all your like-minded apologists to see. Or you can email me at mosaic at manofsteelanswers.com. If you like what you heard, please review the show on iTunes or Stitcher and subscribe. I'm Doc, your DC Films Justice League Universe Apologist signing off. See you next time. You're the answer, son.
answer, son.